Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 different ways to use hunger mechanic. I'm Davey, and with me is Phil. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. All right, good to hear. We are coming at you. The most recent news we've had was uh, how uh, some of the Headcrackers fighters work, so we're waiting on them to drop. We got a little peek at the four different fighters and uh, an idea of some of the mechanics and some more hints on what's going on there. Um, pretty interesting. I, I saw a lot of speculation all over the place. Like it's the usual, like some people think they're busted and some people <laughs> think they're trash. So I think, uh, well, yeah, it yeah. feels like maybe a little too early to say, but I would definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah. but that seems to be the vacillation recently on the interwebs is that just about every time we see a new war band, those are the only two opinions. There's never anybody <laughs> saying, no, they're going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I think there's occasionally a few people trying to talk other people off the ledge one way or the other, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, but I'm looking forward to them. I like the, I like the figs, which nothing new Yeah, tend to be the case with almost every war band we see, but, um, yeah. yeah, we'll get plenty of primacy interactions. That'll be fun. Yeah. Or we should um, anyway. Yeah. I'd be, it'd see how they kind of tweak that. Um, it's interesting because, uh, Crimson Court arrived and they do a lot with hunger, uh, but pretty much nobody else is for the <laughs> most part doing anything with hunger. So they kind of like yeah. unlock hunger, but people are already doing uh, plenty with primacy. So that'd be very, that'd be something to, to, uh, see if they take a mechanic that's already in full swing and what they do with that. So, um, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> uh you got any community shout outs uh not not really um i've been kind of out of paying attention to what's been going on much in the community i uh been seeing few things about uh team clash and some of the other online clash stuff that's been going on but i haven't been i haven't been paying super close attention to any of that sure um but I know, I know you've got a handful of things. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, some content creators, the, uh, uh, tabletop Sydney is still going strong. I can't, I actually am a little behind. I'm, I'm uh, having trouble keeping up cause they put out so much stuff, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. but I especially wanted to shout them out because they, they tried a new format, which I think is cool where they had, uh, two players draft different teams or, uh, different, uh, war bands basically to play and then they will do like a, a series against each other i think it's a best of five and uh you i think once you win with a war band you're done with them um and so hmm. uh it's you're, you're trying to get those wins but like once you once you use your your power war band uh they're no longer available so there's some there's some cool matchup planning going on there yeah uh, i haven't uh i'm i'm one I'm one report short of catching up to that. So I haven't watched it yet. So I apologize if I got some of the details wrong, but I'm pretty excited to, to see that. And so, uh, yeah. still making great contact, uh, still and innovating as well, which makes, makes it especially fun. Um, we've been a little remiss in not mentioning agents of Sigmar. They're still chugging along. Uh, I got to watch one where, uh, Pete was, uh, busting out the, um, uh, reavers which is always a pleasure so uh it's kind of doesn't matter who they're playing against i'm going to root for them so yeah uh but yeah I, I forgot those those guys do a really good job with their production and everything like that so 
if somehow you haven't been watching or don't know about them, you should check them out. Yeah. They're like uh, one of the OG YouTubers. Like yeah, exactly. Been around forever. Yep. Uh, and speaking of being remiss, uh, I, uh, this is like a double whammy because, uh, I threw out <laughs> that challenge for like what the, uh, what the fastest, uh, what war band you could get the, uh, farthest in a single action. Um, and I had posited that it was either spike claws or far striders with uh, 31 hexes. Uh, and I will say I gave myself a little bit of an out in saying that, uh, I, I, may, I may have overlooked something. Please let us know. Well, a couple of people did let us know. So, uh, and then I, the other half of my, my goof is that I forgot to shout them out last episode. So, uh, fine Southern gentleman, Mr. Hussman, uh, and, uh, Tristan, uh, both pointed out correctly that, uh, you can actually go 33 hexes in a single activation provided it is in the second round. And you are using, uh, using the, uh, Lady Harrow's Mournflight who have both a plus two move and a double move, uh, yeah. and, and get up to speed five. So they kind of combine the best of both the worlds that we're, we're pulling from the other two. So, uh, 33 hexes, that's enough to do a full circuit of the board and you, you don't quite land on your starting space, I think, but, uh, you, you, uh, <laughs> You get to do the whole perimeter. And because you're doing it with uh, Mournflight, you can just go right through those uh, block taxes if there happens to be like yeah. blocked on the edge. So uh, thanks, guys, for setting us straight. And uh, con- congrats to you for uh, spotting my glaring error. So, um, yeah. Uh, what have you been up to? What the heck is going on with you, Phil? So I'm still working on my Seraphon. I'm like one of the slowest painters ever. So I'm not quite done with base coats on them yet, but I'm very close and I'm very excited because that means that I get to start doing highlights soon, which is where they're going to stop looking ugly. Hopefully. Mm, yeah. Um, because right now they just look like a crazy color palette of just <laughs> lots of colors all over the place. The dreaded ugly phase when, uh, you are sure you're screwing up your beautiful miniatures. So, yep. Yeah, yep, for sure. Uh, but probably even more exciting than that. I just finished my vaccination series. And so I'm really hoping that I actually get to play with them in person on a table with dice at some point in the not too distant future. Outrageous. I know. Right. (laughs) There's, uh, some of the mortal realms crew we've been, we've been discussing how, uh, at what time we'd feel good with it. And then what, uh, what we might do is it are we setting up in a garage somewhere or on a porch or yep so uh it's a fun energy to be kicking around oh man it feels feels kind of a little crazy to be even Mm -hmm. thinking about it but it's here it's Mm -hmm. arrived yeah well how about you davy uh what have you been up to uh well i have been reinforcing uh my desire to play in person because uh playing on some of these other platforms who uh, you know hats off to the people who have made them possible they're incredible uh but i'm i've been i you know kind of an apology to if i've played you recently for the sloppy play uh i've been doing stuff like like seeing you know some of it's using decks you haven't used before but uh mm-hmm. i'll look at a art uh on a card and think i know what that card is and then play <laughs> as if it was so there was one where i was like and now i will score uh survival of the fittest and my opponent's like uh that's the spoilers i was like sure is really wish i would have scored that uh back when i could have but 
here we are in the <laughs> end phase. So, um, yeah. yeah, those, uh, those comical goof ups have been happening in, uh, the, uh, um, vassals of the underworld league, which is, uh, I think, uh, beard arm is running that. So hats off to him. Uh, and then, uh, I just want to give a tip of the hat to, uh, I think Chopin and Pispa are the handles they go by. They, I got to play both those guys recently. They, they trounced me. Oh, two, oh, two. Um, and we're very for forgiving and understanding as I, as I, uh, conducted the aforementioned sloppy play. Um, but some of that was because, uh, I was, I, I took a dip into, um, and we didn't mention this community shout outs, but that, or you kind of did the, uh, vassal grand clash happened. And, uh, there were some really cool decks in there. Uh, got one by Aripa's deck that was using, uh, 10 gambits and 11 upgrades, which, and yeah, which is pretty cool and, yeah <laughs> but i mean i think some of it was you know to make sure that uh, loaded with plunder goes off and, and that sort of thing so there was there was a strong reasoning behind it so that mm-hmm. was that was cool uh that was a diablerist i believe uh that uh, took it down so uh really cool deck really fun and there are other very fun decks to reading uh including one tommy convoy uh had a despoiler deck and that that's part of uh how i crashed and burned so hard uh, in this <laughs> league is i was like wow this deck looks cool and started trotting it out like, whoa, this has a really, really high skill cap. And uh, if I'm in the position of like not reading my objectives correctly, then I am nowhere near that skill cap. But um, I mean, we're talking like there's no sidestep in there, but there is shifting shards. Like there's a <laughs> galaxy brain things going on there. Yeah. Um, so it was fun. It was really fun to see these decks and, and try a couple of them out and be like, wow, there's so much room to you know, kind of catch up with, uh, with what this person has designed. Um, and it was, uh, I think you, you mentioned it was, it was kind of cool. You had that, uh, deal where you can't just pull the top deck and auto win with it. Right. Like, yeah, as a demonstration that takes a, it takes a lot of skill to pilot that sort of thing. So, um, and speaking a lot of skill, my, uh, my teammates, uh, I, I sat on the bench and cheered my teammates on in the, uh, uh, path to glory, uh, league. And they, they won the semis and won the finals with some really tight matches. Uh, really impressive against, uh, B tomato. Um, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> Benny, Matt, Shuby. Um, and, uh, I think Tommy was their cheerleader. Um, and then, uh, team Italy, uh, who had beaten us previously. I think we, we, uh, we managed to get our revenge in the final, and uh, take it down in some very, very close matches. So that was very cool. Um, uh, Nick and Gora and uh, Jimmy Molini all were uh, the the uh, first stringer teammates online. So it was uh, it was cool to get to cheer them on, watch them play uh, at a at a high level. So, and uh, as we mentioned, Gora's got his own blog, which he's uh, still putting content out on there. That's uh, keep chopping. So. Uh, that's a lot of stuff, I guess. So, uh, it feels good. Some of it is that the kids are back in school, uh, in person. So I've had, I think, uh, two and a half days so far that were, um, where I wasn't working and they were off and that just frees up a lot of time where I can get chores and do some fun stuff too. So anyway, that's a lot of preamble. Uh, our, our overview today is the universals from the uh, Crimson Court. Uh, we've got to see him in play. And so uh, we'll, we'll give the review with a little more uh, playtime uh, than we might normally have had with these. Yeah. So, 
an actual review for once rather than just some <laughs> hot takes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, no hot takes anymore. They'd be lukewarm at best at this point. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, um, experience speaking instead. So, um, we, uh, we'll start in the usual spot, kick it off with objectives. Yeah. All right. I think you cranked out some stats here. Ooh, yeah. Well, it seemed, I mean, I find it interesting. I hopefully everyone else does because I keep pulling all this information, but if you don't like it, let us know. Um, and we can cut it. There's no reason to keep talking about it if no one cares, yeah. but, uh, for these, for these universals, um, we, we're now back to a split even of five surges and five end phase cards again, um, which is good, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. They keep being close, but it's not always 5-5, five, five, you know, perfectly even split. Um, so kind of interesting. They keep not having it be... It's like it's not a perfect pattern. It's like, oh, it's always close, but it's never quite there. Not quite there. Um, and then... We had a lot fewer dual and hybrids this time around. Um, there are three new hybrids, but there's only one new dual. Um, mm. And I feel like from building decks for the Starblood Stalkers, where I care about having both duels and hybrids, I f- feel like I now have a better understanding of what dual objectives are in the game, and there are not a ton of them, mm. um, or at least not a ton that I would actually want to play. So uh, it's kind of interesting that I guess I always assumed there was a pretty even split, but I think there's actually a lot more hybrids than duels, even though hybrids usually are easier to score. So mm-hmm. um, kind of interesting. Again, all these surges uh, are for one glory, so we don't have any two glory surges, which I think is probably a good pattern to be seeing in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, three of the five end phase this time are for two glory. So again, I think they're trying to reinforce end phase cards that are uh, more valuable because a lot of the time I think it, it becomes this sort of weird thing where it's like, I have to do so much more work for this end phase, but I don't get a lot more reward. Right. Right. Uh, it, it's nice to try and find that balance. There's a, you know, the, the one glory end phase, they have to be real easy to, uh, to find space in the deck. And so, Yep. That two is often kind of a, a sweet spot where you're really deciding like, ooh, I, that, that's where you do a lot of the thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. how, how hard is this? So, um, yeah. But so that's that's some some stats about these objectives. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess we've lately just kind of been going through all of them. I don't know if you want to do that again or yeah, let's give it a shot. We'll, we'll sure. uh, let's 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 uh Let's plan on it this time and we can we can march through. So all right, cool. So I guess I'll I'll give it to you first. Are there any in here that you felt were very interesting in terms of objectives? I guess uh, we'd say uh, season of famine was in there. Uh, notable mm-hmm. uh, because it, it gives another reward for hunger. Um, we're still in this spot where you wonder is is there anyone other than vamps who are going to be able to do anything with hunger? Um, so this is two glory end phase surviving fighters, uh, have 10 or more hunger counters and it's not friendly. So it's any, yep. any surviving fighters. So there, you may, you may have some counterplay if you're, if you're, 
I don't know. It'd be, it'd be tough to take this, uh, counting on other people to have hunger, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it is good to know because there are some of the ways of manipulating hunger end up throwing hunger on enemy fighters. And so if you've done that, you give yourself a little more flexibility with, uh, where, what you're putting on yeah. or how you're using your own resource. So, um, I think we're always just kind of keeping an eye out for, uh, how, how bulked out does the hunger mechanic get? Yeah. I mean, this feels like one where if the vampires were to ever get to be into a situation where they were like super dominant, especially with hunger play styles, that this would almost be an auto take as a counterplay. Yeah. It's tough. But, I mean, a war band's got to be, I mean, they'd have to be all, and I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't know that. They'd have to be like Molog level, right? Like right. you'd you have to be planning your deck around making sure you could beat them. <laughs> yeah. And even then when you, when you tech against something, I, I find it's almost always that you tech, you tech a gambit or an upgrade in, uh, it, it yeah. feels pretty rare that you end up teching in an objective. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll find like whatever the dominant war band is, will sometimes like block out an objective for me. Like I, I don't, I don't want to take this because it's going to be hard in that matchup, but it rarely makes me put in something that would only score against it. It may increase the value of a particular thing, but yeah. Right. Uh, what about you? So a lot of these are, um, I guess I'll just make a blanket statement here that a lot of these are sort of interesting, uh, maybe like fringe choices. I don't think there was any that really jumped out as being like, wow, this is a really good card. I'm definitely going to think about putting this in a bunch of decks. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot in here that depending on your build might have some interesting uses. And I guess I'll go to dominant display first. Sure. Um, even though I think there's maybe a couple others that might be a little easier to use, but this is yet another card where they're trying to incentivize being in enemy territory. But the catch is that it's so it's it's all surviving and friendly fighters in enemy territory. But you also then need to have the primacy token. Mm -hmm. And this is for two glory. So it is I mean, it's it's worthwhile payout, but it is kind of a lot of work. I do. I do wonder if war bands like Rippa's really like this, um, just because that's probably what you're doing anyway. Yeah, um, Rippa's. Uh... Ripa's getting primacy can be tricky unless they're proud runnering, right? Yeah. Uh, or they have some of the other ways of uh, picking it up. But uh, but yeah, you could definitely see something where you move one, two, and you're basically your last move is make sure the last guy gets in and use proud runner to grab primacy on your way in. And it's a big yeah. score. So if you've got if you got the way to do it. Yeah. And, and I mean, looking at this one and then looking at it, a lot of the in-faction cards that they've been putting in lately where they are emphasizing being in enemy territory, I kind of wonder if at some point we'll hit a critical mass of like, oh, this is going to be a thing where the whole strategy is just to get into the enemy territory. Mm. But I don't think we're there yet. This one still feels pretty tough to me, but I thought it was interesting uh how about you how about another one from you another one that you think is i'm gonna reverse this and make this a question for you uh oh, so okay. magical mauling um you <laughs> are uh, someone who's played uh you've played more uh curse breakers and um eyes of the nine than me um we know i mean this is the one that uh was it colossal fist uh yeah this is one that that all of a sudden that be the, the fact that that can be affected by 
great strength and stuff like that um, matters more for this card uh, than before. But those other two warbands I just mentioned are the ones that can kind of bump up to that damage with some upgrades. Well, based on that, like your your experience with magic warbands, what do you how do you rate this? Do you feel like this is doable, or is this really kind of reaching too far? I mean. I think it's doable, but it still feels tough. Um, I think so. Stormsire, you could definitely do it now that we have uh, Glory Seeker back, mm-hmm. right? Because you can just get a plus one damage on his spell attack, and then sure easily inspire, and then you're plinking Fighter, people for three. Fighter's Ferocity works in there too. Yep. So, I mean, I think it could play there. Um, I don't know if it's a great choice though, because you are still relying on upgrades to get there. Mm. Um, like, I think it's, it's okay. I just don't know that it makes a ton of sense because there's an, probably a lot easier things to score. So I don't, I just don't know if it's efficient enough. Sure. Although I will, I think for, if I remember correctly from the head crack as preview, they did say, that head crack is spell attack when it's adjacent gets plus two damage. Mm, I think bumps it up to three base. Oh yeah. So he could probably score this. Yeah. But that'll kind of depend on how the rest of the warband plays. I think. Sure. Right. Uh, and as we know, it's always risky to be including objectives that are hinging entirely on one fighter, unless you're real confident. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The, uh, the wizard, linchpin decks have always been feast or famine i feel like mm-hmm. uh speaking of head crack he's pictured on channeled hunger uh which is yeah. a uh, one in the end phase for having uh, one or more friendly wizards on an objective and they also have to have one or more hunger counters um so this is like a this is the card you would never take before you take magical mark because uh, yep. Magical Mark is just have a wizard on an objective. Um, and I don't know if it's an effect you would double down on, uh, although uh, Crimson Court, relatively, you you have two wizards, they're very easy to have them on hunger. And uh, I think there's maybe some play with uh, the other ones who might look at this with uh, Curse Breakers, who um, yeah. there's some magical interaction with hunger that, you know, maybe, but I don't know that they particularly need it. I mean, holding one objective in either player's territory is very easy. That's true. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yes, it, it could it could become something of a flex play there. But sure, I think I think the hunger counter requirement does make it feel. Yeah, maybe not a, a little off control vamps where you yeah, could uh, maybe. back off to the to the back and uh, uh, sit on it. I think you were using it. Uh, in one of our, I was games, using you, it. Uh, I tried it out in a, in one of our test games for the Crimson Court, mm-hmm. and I think after the game, when we were talking about the decks, you basically pointed out to me that it didn't really make sense to be using this over uh, the other one because it's just blatantly easier to score the other one. Yeah. Um, although in the Crimson Court, it's kind of a, a wash because you're pretty much always going to have those hunger counters unless you're inspired. Uh, that was channeled hunger. What else do you want to talk about here? Yeah. Well, um, I guess I'll go, go to the other one that I felt seemed like an interesting option that maybe, maybe could show up in some decks. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's disastrous hunt. 
Um, so this is one where you score in an end phase if two or more enemy hunters are out of action. It's for two glory, so again, it, it is a good payout. Uh, I think the problem is that, again, like, anytime your objectives depend on your opponent, I mm -hmm. feel like it's it's always a risky play. I mean, there's so many situations where you could show up into a match and be like, oh, they have no hunters innately. So this card, unless they play upgrades, is entirely dead. Yeah. Um, and that's always a bad feeling, at least yeah. to me. So while it's, it has a decent payout, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be super meta dependent. Um. And given the current meta, the top four warbands don't have, I mean, other than Rippa's, don't really have hunters. So, yeah, um, it's a little, it's a little uh, unreliable to try to kill two Rippa's. I think, I think this yeah. card is showing you how you use it. You use it if you know that you're playing your, your uh, friend who likes Seraphon and you, <laughs> you kill a bunch of skinks and stand over them in an opposing yeah. manner. Or, so. yeah, I mean, you, you show your dominance over yeah. their hunting ability. Uh, I guess if Grimwatch were to make a, a rebound, um, like if hold objective play gets good again and we start seeing Grimwatch all over the place, this deck maybe, sure. or this card, I guess, maybe yeah. shows back up. Yeah, yeah. Or when the spoilers surge up again. Oh, just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just pop <laughs> off uh, Gnarl and, and uh, I don't know, Korsh. <laughs> Get you too so hard. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think after that, though, uh, <laughs> there's not a ton of the rest of these that I found to be super compelling, but maybe yeah. what what else what else do you see as maybe being interesting, um, if not strong? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of tough. The, the uh, there's a. Uh, not so fast is worth mentioning just to be specific about the wording because it's going to come back around with a, a card later but this oh, is a hybrid yeah. <laughs> score immediately after friendly fighters attack action which takes an enemy fighter with a higher move characteristic than each surviving fighter out of action uh, which is different than saying an enemy fighter with the highest move action yep. so whoever you kill cannot be tied for the highest they have to be yep. the highest um as there's like weird or or it's also just take an enemy quarry out of action so which is uh, probably the more reliable way to use this but yeah right uh curiously like outrun death kind of almost does both those things for you because <laughs> uh, you can use it yeah. on somebody so you can uh oh i'm about to take this person now i'm gonna make them a quarry um also i'm gonna make them very fast um very interesting so, that's kind of uh, a way i i don't I feel like keep an eye on this sort of thing because there there may be a uh, I'm going to uh, specifically try to beat up on quarries. Um, I think there's a gambit here which uh, helps you target quarries uh, yep. down the line. So, um, but I I think if with the competition for surges, um, unless you are uh, I I'm, I'm saying like I don't think I'll see it. And then the next grand clash that yeah. will have it in there of like, course what? <laughs> um, there's a there's a couple real rough ones i think uh uh skin and bones and fatal underestimation are, are pretty low on the list for me yeah i would agree um so like skin and bones i i 
reading through this card, you know, I just have to ask myself, like, why? Why <laughs> did you like? Why even write this? No one's gonna play this. Yeah. Uh, so this one is, you score this in an end phase for one, if an enemy fighter has a number of hunger counters equal to or greater than their wounds characteristic, which like the only warband who's playing with hunger right now is the uh, vampires. So Mm. that's at least four hunger counters on them. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a lot. Um, Or there are no surviving enemy fighters with a wounds characteristic of three or more. So only two wound fighters left alive like that. (laughs) Uh, There's not even very many war bands where that that's like a realistic possibility. Um, Yeah. Oh man. Even just talking about this now, I I realized I was reading that as uh, that would be okay. Like you would auto score it into uh, gets or uh, God's one hunt, but even they are too beefy for this. Yeah. Or they have to be two wound fighters to be able to wow. score on the second condition. So that's that kind of hybrid we talk about where like one half of it is a never ever. Uh, yeah. And the yeah. other. Yeah. So unless there's like some new warband coming in the future, that's all two wound fighters uh, steer clear of skin and bones. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a future I would see where it could be um, if you had, if you had a way yeah. to kind of aggressively throw hunger on other uh, on the enemy. Um, then this this becomes a way to score something without dice, which is always yeah. so that's that's the only that's the only thing I would keep in the back of my mind is uh, see what other hunger cards come out and uh, there'd have even, to be so many yeah. more hunger objectives I feel like, but yeah, sure. maybe yeah. that is a possibility. Uh, and then that? fatal, uh, yeah, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how about that fatal underestimation then? Yeah, so score immediately uh, if you take a target of action and the target had one or more supporting fighters it's not it's better than skin and bones um but it just requires your opponent to have position in a particular way and it requires you to make like a attack under suboptimal conditions now that being said if you are a warband that uh, leverages scything quite a bit or um or or some yeah. such then then there's a decent chance i think if this was a succeed an attack then I'd be oh, yeah. very interested in it. Uh, but because you have to take them out of action, that feels a little uh, a little bit too much to ask. It's hard to think of the scenario where that's the that's the way to go. So Yeah. I feel like I always want my surges to be near guarantee scores. Like that's the whole reason they exist. Mm-hmm. And this is gonna be a situation where unless your opponent clumps up or your opponent plays upgrades that give innate support. Yeah. Like this isn't going to just not going to come up and having yep. a dead search is, is just, feels bad. Yeah. Um, I actually not great as a leveling strike as well. Um, <laughs> this is where you got to drop and it's uh, in the same sense as not so fast. Uh, you have to, the one part of the hybrid is knock somebody down that, uh, has the highest ties, not allowed, uh, the highest wounds characteristic, uh, or take an enemy leader out of action. That's, that's both of those are difficult and difficult to time. Um, if you have an opportunity to do one of those things, you're going to do it when you can do it. And you don't want to have to be waiting around for this objective to show up at the right time. Yeah. 
it's strictly better than assassinate from Shadespire, but that doesn't mean much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's sure. I don't know. Like, uh, making anything that's a surge where you have to kill like the toughest fighter on the board just seems. Uh, yeah. Like, and, why, and unlike, <laughs> unlike, uh, not so fast you, it's much harder to manipulate somebody else's wounds, um, in this, yeah. you know, you think, you think of like the warbands that have big fellas, uh, so crushes, but the problem is they're all on five anyway. So, yep. um, this, this doesn't go off. So, um, there's a more interesting surge here, uh, Supreme Confidence. Um, yes. Score immediately after you discard the primacy token if your warband holds one or more objectives in enemy territory. Uh, we've talked about some of that, like feign weakness, feign strength build. Maybe there's ways to kind of manipulate that, and there's some things you can do to spin the primacy token. Um, there's a damage reduction one. So mm -hmm. you get yourself onto an objective and then you're holding something and discard it and hopefully not driven back off of it. Um, so I think there may be something there, uh, especially if you're going to start manipulating, uh, it'd be interesting to see if the, uh, the head crackers mob want this, because I think they may be interested in, uh, if they are inspiring on getting primacy, they may be interested in getting it, dropping it, getting it, dropping it. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering the same thing. And then, um, I don't remember which one it was, but from the preview, it sounded like you you have one of their fighters whose ability, I think, is that if he holds an objective in enemy territory, he can oh, gain yeah. primacy. Right? It's like primal primal tracking or something like that. The uh, yeah. the archer. It had to be. He had to hold it, and nobody could be within two of him. I think. Yeah, uh, and then but he could he could pick up primacy. Kind of suggests there might be some synergy there. So. Sure. I think this one's one to watch for sure. Uh, somebody pointed out, and this is kind of cool, is that if you are holding an objective in enemy territory and you have the primacy, you will discard that primacy uh, at the very end of the round. So True. this is one of those rare objectives that score gets scored in like kind of the nether region of yeah, like, between, in between, between rounds, rounds. Or, <laughs> you know, um, or at the very, very end of the round after other things happen. So yeah. uh, that that on its own actually makes this yeah, that much does more make, scorable than interesting uh, on, on first assessment. So, so um, you could you could just finish scoring, score all three of your objectives, draw a new hand, and then after all the scoring is done, you discard the primacy token. Right, you could score a card. Right, oh, that's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I think there's some precedent for that, uh, specifically with like not exactly like this, but similar with uh, Lady Harrows, where they can. Uh, draw up objectives and if they draw I think one will be on an even and an odd there's no scoring window identified right. for that so they can score that in an end phase after drawing it and then draw another one so hmm. um, they're few and far between cards that operate in that general space but there it's not it's not completely unprecedented yeah so. that's a cool one then yeah um, overall objectives didn't like blow me away um I think there's uh, a couple real tech pieces, a couple things I'll kind of keep my eye on. Um, but uh, definitely not, agree. Yeah, nothing, nothing that uh, jumped out at me. Um, are there any gambits that jumped out at you? 
Yeah. Um, there's a few that sort of really... But where to start, I guess, is the question. Um, well, so so you kind of alluded to it earlier, so I'll just start here um, mm-hmm. with punching up. Yeah, this is another say, speaking one. Of, speaking of jumping out, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bursting from the shadows, jumping out like a skink going yeah, after yeah. Kagra. Um, so this is another one where it's, you know, it's this weird wording around the like highest or lowest characteristics. So this one is choose one fighter with the lowest wounds characteristic of any surviving fighters, which as we explained earlier is different than those other cards where it was saying highest uh, or higher than anybody else. It's like it can be the lowest and be tied and still be the lowest. So Mm. it's just anybody with the lowest wounds, which is probably going to be two or three depending on the war bands. Um, and then in the next activation, that fighter is a hunter. They get plus one dice and plus one damage for their range one and two attack actions. Yeah. So uh, if you are playing like, I don't know, like weapons gets, or if you're playing sepulchral guard, um, there's probably a lot of play here for being able to suddenly pump a fighter up to some pretty ridiculous levels. Um to be able to go on a, on a rampage with <laughs> some interesting yeah. upgrades. Yeah. I'll tell you the other thing I like about this, uh, besides the fact that Reavers enjoy it, um, for, and you, you can really do some stuff with, uh, oh, Targor and such, um, which is always fun. Um, but what I like is that it, uh, makes you reevaluate some other cards. So I think, uh, by and large people had generally kind of, uh, with so many speed gambits out there, people left uh, Malkin Grace behind because it's a uh, yeah, yeah, two yeah. move minus one uh, wound. Uh, but here you can engineer. So like I could play that on again going back to Reavers. I could play that on um, Blooded Saic, and like all of a sudden Saic is uh, <laughs> oh, say is like oh don't you know it's just me just a little two wound me here and then <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's punching up. So uh, and that feels pretty Reavery too. You know yeah. hurt yourself to to get so Ooh, that's that's good um uh so yeah i i like that uh it makes you kind of reevaluate other cards uh and i like that uh you know, we talk about this in previous episodes but i like that it's a card that you know doesn't really do anything for uh crushes or malag or whatever yeah. you know i think that's that's definitely an important point um i guess the only other thing that i would mention about this one is that it very specifically calls out their attack actions so if you have a fighter with scything or something, you could, in theory, be making multiple attacks with that fighter and they'd all be getting the bonus. Yeah, um, I'd like to revise my story and say that it was uh, Karsis running up there. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, because Karsis with uh, plus one dice and plus one damage also needs three fury, three damage on that scything attack. That yeah. is, woof. Um, if you can set that up, yeah, that's a, that's a really good, uh, note. Um, and as a reminder, if you're using combo and stuff, combo is going to react after. So I yep. think that's, yeah, cause it's not during the activation, it'll be an after. So that won't, uh, that won't yep. be part of it, but yeah, scything for sure. Nice. Um, 
where do you want to go here? There's, there's some nice choices. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, well, so I, I did mention, uh, the, the there was a gambit that kind of can target quarries. So, uh, if you're, mm-hmm. as they open up more of that, uh, punishing people for having quarries, there's narrowing passage. Um, and this is one of those that has, has wording, which is, which I like, uh, it's, it's anti-quarry tech. Um, and we've seen in the past, it's difficult to create these kind of cards where they, uh, target a particular thing, you know, be it quarry or be it casting all that sort of thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they make these and, and the card is dead. If the opponent doesn't have that, the they're, they're making these cards now with a, Hey, it's good against, you know, what I'm targeting in this case, quarry, uh, and it still has a use even if they don't have a quarry. So in this case, choose an enemy quarry with one or more upgrades, pick one or pick an opponent, uh, and that opponent will choose a fighter in their warband with one or more upgrades. So if you can either pick a quarry or if you don't pick a quarry, your opponent gets to pick the fighter and then discard one of the fighters upgrades at random. Uh, so first of all, I like it for that, uh, the out it gives you. So it's not dead if they don't have a quarry. And then, um, I think I wasn't wild about it at first, but I thinking about a lot of quarries, uh, you know, you can, the most obvious being cryptic companion. Sometimes there's just one guy at the back holding on to that. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty huge. If you can just strip that right back off of him, you know, it's a, it's a glory out of their pocket, maybe more. Um, so, uh, a lot of, a lot of the upgrades that turn you into a quarry are, are pretty powerful as we've seen. Uh, and so there's a, there's a good chance that you can, you can pop something good off with this. Yeah. I, I mean, this, this card, this is the kind of control play that I would love to see a lot more of in the game. Mm. Um, like if you want to go full control, like this is going to be one of the cards you probably want. Um, Banshees kind of have a card like this where it was, I don't remember the, how it exactly worked, but basically it was a thing where they could react to destroy an upgrade of somebody within so many hexes. Yeah, um, I think that something they can take an action to do it and then the, yeah. their own upgrade may break in the process or may not. Yeah, right, right. But, you know, being able to blow up a, upgrades has a lot of potential it's also Mm -hmm. meaning the opponents having to waste resources right if if they play an upgrade and i guess like if you play this early in the game it could be very disruptive Mm. because if they only have like one or two upgrades out and they were planning on using those and you just blew it up like that that could ruin somebody's plans for the entire like next round or something yeah totally definitely like that one yeah that's a good point because if they like opponent has to choose somebody with an upgrade so if you play it at a time where they only have one fighter with an upgrade out they you're gonna get that upgrade out so yeah yeah you're right really good really good early on mm-hmm. actually uh because often that first upgrade is, is something pretty pretty crucial yeah something that'll get the the train rolling so yeah uh, there's a couple cards where they do some strange interaction, like cross, uh, I guess, uh, sort of cross mechanic interactions. So, uh, bountiful bait, uh, yeah. <laughs> each fighter with one or more hunger counters is Corey and is on guard persistent until end of round, uh, is one of them. Uh, I feel like I don't, I can't 
figure out if this is good or not. Like, <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're vamps, you can say, okay, well, my whole war band's on guard now. Uh, that's kind of cool. Like, unless they're bloodthirsty and they can't be on ground. Uh, like, like it, that's yeah. every time I start thinking about it, I'm like, yes, but, but actually no, but actually this part is good, but actually, you know, like, oh man, yeah. what's happening? I, I, yeah, I can't decide either. I think, I think there's a few different ways that you could play around with this card, but like the timing windows become very odd. Uh, yeah. So I, it feels like it might be unreliable, but I like, I don't know, being able to put an entire warband on guard all at once is pretty powerful. Um, being able to make an entire warband quarries could be really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think this is maybe one earmark and just say, keep an eye out for this. Cause maybe yeah. I think forward, again, like maybe, there, maybe there's some control build here. Like it'll help you unlock absolute stillness. It'll help you, uh, you know, and the guard is handy for staying on the objective that you're on becoming a quarry. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you've got ahead of the hunt or something like that. So yeah. I, but then you also have to have the hunger out. Yeah. So this, <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, we're, you're, I'm literally saying out loud the thought process I keep going through every time I look at this kind of thing. <laughs> uh, the other one that was a weird interaction was a uh, taste for power. Did you, did you take a look at that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I actually put this one in the test, uh, crimson court build that I did. I oh, don't did? think I ever actually got to use it. Did you ever um, see it or? I don't think so. I don't think okay. I drew into it. I mean, that <laughs> that game that we played ended pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I mean, so so I guess just to make sure people know, you, this is uh, you give a hunger counter to each fighter in the warband whose player has the primacy token. So if you need hunger or if you care about hunger in any way, like this is a pretty reliable way to put out a decent amount of hunger. Sure. The trouble is like how how reliable is primacy um and i think we're seeing that in a lot of warbands now especially that it, it it's pretty easy to pick it up which means it's pretty easy to lose it because yeah. somebody else can take it from you so yeah this might be good uh but it might be too again i think the window for opportunity might be hard to like get it in yeah um, i don't know <laughs> um yeah I, again I, I unless there's like something really specific you're doing with this i i i mean there's weird stuff where you make the other it's a way to get the other warband hunger if you need that you know you can if you if they think they're gonna have primacy then you give that to them they get hunger and you know maybe pitiable death is all of a sudden better I, it's there's there's yeah it's weird um i i see another card you had in your you had irresistible hunger in your test test deck right i did um this is sort of another i was playing around with hunger um just because it felt like the crimson court like hunger was probably going to be their thing like that that if if any warband was going to have it that was going to be it the one Mm -hmm. so i felt like let's put all the hunger stuff in and see how it works out. so this one is is basically just a, a sort of like a um 
uh, well, what's the name? This is center, like center of attention, but for hunger and it gives hunger. Mm. So if you're, if you're caring about hunger, you can get, you can get a hunger counter, but then uh, you can push an enemy fighter within two hexes, one hex towards the hunger, the fighter that you gave the hunger counter to, or if they then have two or more hunger counters, you push each enemy fighter within two hexes up to one hex closer to that fighter. So, I mean, the second condition is literally just uh, center of attention. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and center of attention is a good card. And I think at the time that I was trying this out, uh, I hadn't really dug into the the new universal pack a whole lot mm. yet. Mm. So uh, it was like, oh, well, that that seems like a good push. But uh now that we have center of attention back, it's kind of like, eh, unless you really want another way to add a hunger counter, this doesn't doesn't actually seem like something you take before you took center of attention. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of a lot of cards that are getting picked before this, especially and a number of them are in the essentials, right? So, yep. Yep. so um, <laughs> it has the advantage that it doesn't drag your own fighters, although sometimes you actually want that. So Ooh, that's true. I, I think it feels like half the time center attention is being used you're actually using it to manipulate your own fighters but uh yeah 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 um but maybe down the line of the card pool changes and uh distractions and nightmares in the shadow start uh, filtering out then you you take a look back here yeah or i mean if hunger becomes even bigger thing then sure you know maybe so again (laughs) continue to earmark hunger we don't even with vampires, we're still not sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, lots of lots of weird, like weird, wordy cards uh, or, huh. or things doing odd uh, stuff in this pack. Uh, Momentary match was one that I was like, I, I people are excited about, but then maybe not. And so choose one enemy fighter and one friendly fighter until the end of the next activation. Set the chosen friendly fighter's move, defense, or wounds characteristic to that of the chosen enemy fighter. It's hard to it's hard to picture the things that will break this wide open. If if you're doing move, then this gambit could have just been uh, you know any of the you know uh, spectral wings or whatever. Yeah, it's probably not somebody speed two higher than you. I mean, you can see some stuff where you say okay my uh my crusher is now as fast as scathe or something but uh i don't know like even then right because yeah scathe starts at five so if scathe's not inspired it's still just i mean i guess it's flexible right but um and then defense so i guess you know there's some people bopping their defense up pretty high and if you've got uh, you know shields all of a sudden you could be on three shields if you happen to be playing against Zarbags gets in the the uh, fanatics twirling around, and then wounds feels like the weirdest one of all because that that uh, only lasts for the activation, right? So yeah, yeah. I think that was the immediate one that people basically looked at and went, "Well, that's never a good idea because <laughs> it's not going to." In, I mean, unless you're doing some really weird control stuff where you're like, I know my my opponent gets stuff for killing something with high wounds, so therefore I will make myself lower wounds than I already was. Oh my gosh, yeah. So that, you know, <laughs> and that, 
I don't know. I don't think that's yeah. ever going to be worth it, is it? <laughs> no, I guess it messes up somebody's primacy play if you like, you know, bump yourself way up out of yeah, uh, I guess a, a weak fighter. But yeah, it's just it's too. They, there's a lot of flexibility in there, and because there's so much flexibility, I think they they played it really safe on this one, uh, and maybe yeah. maybe too safe to make it uh, handy. One, one thing that I wonder about looking at this card again which i hadn't thought about before so the defense characteristic mm-hmm. that includes the symbol right good question i don't actually i don't actually know uh yeah i'm not sure either but i, I mean because i feel like because for almost everything else it doesn't really matter but uh i think it probably is part of the characteristic so you yeah. could, like, you would never be able to be in a situation where you'd be like, "Oh, I'm one shield, but they're three dodge, so I'm going to go to three shield." Sure. Yeah. Although uh, in general, I think if you had the option to go to three dodge, <laughs> yeah, you you take it. So yeah. maybe that's like the real play here is that you just yeah. use it for a defense boost. Yeah, um, but then it is that sort of defense boost for one activation only. And those those we've seen those cards before. Yeah, that's uh, just never. Yeah. It's never again. Cool. Like flexibility, so who knows? Yeah, somebody so, will show us yeah. that it's very good. Um, what else you got here? We, yeah. We're closing in on the last of these gambits. So, before I go back to some of the ones that I felt like I would be super interested in, I will just go to another weird one. Um, so blood-soaked ground. Yeah, um, super weird. So this is a reaction ploy where, and this is the only reaction ploy in this set, you play it after an attack action or a gambit that takes a fighter out of action. And if that fighter was in the same hex as a feature token, you then flip that token. Um, and if that fighter was an enemy fighter, you also gain one spent glory point. Yeah. Uh, this is a thinker, right? Like, yeah. Um, I've seen, I've seen it get put into, um, to, uh, feed the beast grave decks. Cause another way to mm-hmm. do that. Um, and, uh, it is, it's not a friendly or enemy fighter. So yep. if your own fighter gets taken out, you can, you can burn the, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing this with Hrothgorn, you put a, uh, put good old quiv to camp on an objective <laughs> and then when they when they pop him and not only that but you get uh, a spent glory to boot um well that's only if it's if it's an enemy fighter so oh that's true you, you right. would have to sort of set mm-hmm. that up a little bit better yeah yeah but it does feel very punishing if you're using it as an anti uh hold objective tech yeah in that case because it's like you know they're going to be on objectives and then it right. not only gives you a way to get the fighter off of an objective but then you burn it forever well not maybe forever but flipping it is usually a forever thing most fighters sure. or most warbands don't have the option to flip back so yeah yeah like in a in a pretty aggressive deck you know flying in because like you're uh, often you can get that kill but then they push somebody else back onto it or come back to it and if you you just make it unpalatable in the first place. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think we'll see that in some, uh, some, some, uh, specialized decks. I don't think that's a, 
that's not so obscure that we won't ever, um, I think especially that, that last kicker, the spent glory point, mm-hmm. uh, further rewarding you for doing the thing that you're trying to do with a, with a feed the beast grave deck anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty great. So. And I think, I don't know, this is probably even something you could have a whole separate episode about, but having ways of gaining glory that are not tied to objectives, I think is something that is somewhat underestimated in terms of how powerful it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I, we don't think we need to, like have a whole discussion about it now but i think i think that 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 you're right and that that one spent glory can actually make this card very appealing Mm. uh claim to supremacy that this is another one that slots into like maybe there's some play here with that uh vein strength vein weakness build Mm -hmm. um at the end of the next activation the player whose warband holds the highest number of objectives gains a primacy token and so you know often think about this in the because we see a lot of this battle like who's who can hold the most objectives especially for enter on dominant position being a big deal um people people fight pretty hard over the objectives these days uh what's funny about this is if you have it early like you could use it if nobody's on anything you just use it and then walk onto one and then you've got primacy <laughs> um yeah Although get you know that would be a situation beginning pretty early in the round and then uh, primacy isn't very well protected. You, you but if you have something that like really wants to have primacy for a reason like the damage reduction or you know you've got objective like this is this is a way to get primacy without dice right like yep. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up primacy and score my surge of aggression um, just because I, I positioned in a particular <laughs> for way for not being aggressive at all <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, uh, and you can imagine headcrack is like they say okay yeah I'll, I'll pick up i mean they may not need it maybe maybe they have their own ways of getting primacy or whatever but uh yeah there's uh that, that feels like one that i uh, i have not seen in play yet um but if, i feel like i might yeah. i feel like people, people will experiment with it and decide if uh if there's something worth uh worth doing there um and i guess there's there's a weird there's a weird interaction where if you want your opponent to have it um, there's some things where, you know, taking the primacy from an opponent or those cards that we see that punish them for, you know, the, um, uh, do extra damage, you know, react for extra damage, your opponent has primacy. So you can, you can make your opponent have it. So, yeah, I guess like you might even put this in a deck that, uh, likes farming primacy. Um, so get it, play this, uh, against that objective war band. They, they get it. Then you steal it back from them again, you know? Mm-hmm. So a couple different ways to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what will be really interesting is if there's that, if there's ever a, a reason to go back and forth like that, yeah, you could end up with some weird headspace where you're ending up being like, how am I going to give my opponent primary? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so definitely um, like that. Yeah. And there were, uh, as the, as a resident, magic warband user uh you want to walk us through our last two uh gambits which happen to be gambit spells yeah so i'll start with the one that i think is better um so invincible aspect so this is Mm -hmm. a two channel uh if cast choose one friendly fighter within two hexes of the caster you heal to the chosen fighter and then you gain the primacy token i think the only thing that i unsure of with this card is that there's been a lot of discussion about when you have cards that 
direct you to heal? Are you allowed to target fighters that can't be healed? Mm. Um, now we definitely know that healing doesn't work. Like a fighter is not counted as being healed unless wound tokens are removed. Right. The further question ends up being, you know, with, with the FAQ that said basically that, or I guess it's not even FAQ, but basically saying that like for a card to be able to be played, you have to be able to fulfill all of its criteria. Like, do you have to heal to be able to play this? Like, yeah. What what part of this counts as criteria is the criteria choose one friendly fighter within two hexes of the caster. Is that, is that the criteria for casting? Right. Yeah. So I think, I think if, if I were to, my interpretation would be like the, the first sentence is always the criteria. So it's like, this is the thing you need to do to be able to cast the spell. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of argument about that. So if that's the way it works, this is basically cast a spell, get primacy, which is amazing. Um, if that's not how it works, it's a little harder, but like putting one wound on a fighter is not super hard. Like it's going to come up. Um, so like storm Slayers would probably like this. Uh, I think there's plenty of reason for wanting to be able to heal too, or to get primacy. Um, and this does both. So I think that's pretty good. Um, I think that the two, uh, channel does make it a little unappealing to anybody who's not storm sire though. So, um, that, that is a, I don't know. That, that always feels like a downside of magic is that sometimes it just becomes so unreliable that <laughs> you just yeah. don't even want to go there. Thank you. Like you can get the wretchling out and, uh, has a much easier time casting this. And yeah, yeah. maybe there's a, true. maybe there's a thing like a control worm spat where you're, you're keeping those health pools up and also snaking primacy away to, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. but, but having all the, uh, like universal innate, uh, stuff go away <laughs> for everybody yeah. except these for are, these are very hard yeah and then so the other one is an, another aspect uh magnificent aspect which is also two channel um, if you cast you choose a friendly fighter within two hexes and then that chosen fighter is inspired uh so i mean free inspires are always good but again like two two cast spells are not super reliable and i think where this is super easy to cast which is in storm sires do you really use this like their inspiration mechanic is so easy yeah yeah i was kind of ticking down the different warbands that i was like okay let's see gets they don't care uh even if they could cast it there's no one worth you know this low probability uh, worm spat they could cast and they do get some nice stuff out of inspiring, but why not just fill the slot with a ping damage thing instead right. and, uh, and do it that way. And so as I, as you know, cause when I first saw it, I was like, Oh my God, you know, like <laughs> magic inspiration strikes. But then once you kind of went through all the possibilities, you're like, Oh, I don't, uh, I don't know that there is something, but this is the kind of card that you have to remember exists because if a war band comes out that, you know, has a difficult inspire, you know, like if, right. if, uh, if Stalag Squig was a wizard or something in the back and you'd be like, <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's maybe worth the shot. Yeah. Um, so I, it's just something to, uh, 
to keep in the back of your head. Um, I don't know if there's anybody that wants to jump on it right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you could see this with Ravagers because their inspire mechanic is so hard that you'd be like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to take anything I can to try and inspire without having to actually desecrate a whole bunch of objectives. But um, even then, that <laughs> it's what like a mate not quite 50 percent chance something like that yeah um so yeah i don't know personally i'd leave it at home i guess there's an argument to be made that like if you get this early in a storm sire deck you could be inspiring storm sire and one of the other fighters mm-hmm. right off the bat and also be casting a spell which you want to be doing anyway um but personally i feel like this one is probably one that you leave at home yeah that leads us into upgrades and i again i don't know that there's a ton in here that's really jumping out as being super strong there's just a couple things that i thought we should definitely take Um, yeah what would those be so i think the uh silent helm and the soul tooth dagger are both things that definitely uh are of note um mm. and then i think the like a potential other one that i think could be of note is the master of ways um mm. but i'd like to start with silent helm just because uh it's our first silent relic and yeah. based on the card it says if you have three or more of these which definitely indicates it's going to be a set of some sort so uh very interested to see how many more of these we get but Mm -hmm. this one in particular makes you a quarry which we know that things that make you a quarry tend to be decent um because they can help you score quarry related stuff and that uh anytime that this fighter is a quarry and they are targeted by an attack action the one of the crits in that or one of the yeah one of the crit symbols in the attack role is considered to just be a regular success instead yeah big deal wow uh like that that is that's that shifts some math pretty hard on fighters with high defense characteristics right somebody throwing a lot of defensive dice uh or or throwing a lot of defensive dice that have or defensive dice that have uh a lot of successes on them so uh i'm thinking like glissette here two dice on guard um you can sometimes burn through her by sneaking a crit in, but if you can't do that, then, uh. yeah. Um, I, I just, I haven't even really sat down to think about how impactful this could be, but I, my, my gut instinct was, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of instances where one crit was the difference in this attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like this card. I think it maybe is almost, maybe too strong uh, just because of the number of two and three dodge fighters that exist in the world right now. Yeah. Um, who are already usually pretty hard to hit. So yeah, it's pretty good. It'd um, be interesting to see what, and I think the, the big question is what do the other silent relics look like? Because the bonus for yeah. having two or more, uh, uh, or three or more is how many you have. So this is a little harder to assemble than some of the others, right? It um, is but rerolling a defense die on top of all this other on top of like ignoring crits like that's that's a super big deal too so yeah um as an aside i I definitely put this in my uh 
Starblood deck because I, oh, yeah. I care about having quarries and then in certain situations putting this on Autopodal or putting this on to one of the other two dodge fighters. Sure. Um yeah. or even I guess on to uh Clack Truck when he's inspired Ooh, like, gross. <laughs> oh no. Such yeah. a good upgrade. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, good call. Right. Um another the other one you mentioned, Soul Tooth Dagger. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of flavor throwback to uh, uh, Shade Glass Dagger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, not it, not quite as powerful, um, but it doesn't break all the time either. It doesn't break. A little more accurate because you get <laughs> rerolls. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I, I this kind of upgrade is uh, like some more bands like it more than others. Uh, I like this specific thing. I, although you are crit fishing, so three fury, two damage, one range, uh, plus one damage on a crit. Although you are crit fishing, your opponent has to respect that. Like they have to look at that and be like okay, well, that fighter actually has a output of three damage uh, before any other things get added to the mix. And so all of a sudden they're, they're, you're putting mental pressure on them as like, well, what if they roll a crit, you know? Yeah. So, and I mean, and it also makes you a f- hunter, which is always good. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you're crit fishing, having rerolls, which it yep. gives you rerolls <laughs> yep. is also good. So I, I mean, I think this is probably one of the better weapons we've seen recently and probably see it in a lot of decks uh and i guess that leaves us with master of ways is the only other one that i had called out and that one i think is interesting just because of it being another teleport Mm -hmm. um so it gives you an action where you have to discard the primacy token and then if you do you then get to place the fighter that has this upgrade in the same hex as an objective token um, and then you have to give them a charge token. Um, and then, of course, it has the thing like a lot of these upgrades with Primacy do, where if they're killed, you have to discard Primacy, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, that that doesn't really bother me. I don't think that's really going to be the thing that like decides whether you take this card or not. Uh, yeah. I think the thing that decides this is how much do you care about giving up Primacy and how reliable do you feel like getting Primacy is going to be? Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I feel like teleports are always really strong. And this one, other than discarding primacy, has no other conditions on it. Uh, mm, sure. Which I think is really good. Because a lot of the teleports, it's like, pick a fighter that doesn't have move or charge tokens and then do a thing. Or that's mm-hmm. not adjacent to any enemy fighters. Or is on an edge hex. Or like they make the positioning the big you mm. know, limiting factor. Whereas here, it's just primacy. So like... If I have Proud Runner, I run a guy across the board, score some stuff, and then in my next activation, I discard Primacy and then teleport onto an objective. Like Mm -hmm. For a hold objective play, this feels like a very strong card, but I think it's going to be something you really have to plan out ahead of time. You have to have a cohesive strategy to be able to really leverage it. Yeah. Were there any uh, other upgrades that you felt were worthy of note so there's a swath of hunger ones that uh looked kind of suboptimal to me uh starvation's grip uh if you have hunger you can't be pushed that that actually is maybe something in there in a a, uh, vamp control build Um, yeah because there's uh uh stone skin i think which is the same thing can't be pushed but minus one move so a little trade-off i think i think you'll see that around famish familiar uh 
doing damage to give yourself a casting reroll. That's pretty rough. Like usually <laughs> your caster is your often your leader and damaging them. Yeah. You have access to that in other places. And then awesome appetite is, uh, uh, if you, each time you attack, if you take an adjacent target of action, heal one and give this fighter one hunger counter. Um, we've seen that with, uh, vampiric weapon back in the shade spire days. Uh, not, I think there's some fighters that would care about it, but heal one's pretty modest. So you, I think you'd have to be doing something that really wants the hunger as well. So agreed. Uh, and like even the, uh, mandibles, of the air grub gives you a heal one for, I think just successfully hitting an adjacent yeah, fighter. So, right. Uh, yeah. So sometimes, uh, taking people out is, is a little bit of a big ask there. So, um, yeah uh that's that's the hunger mechanic for you maybe yeah. maybe vampires are interested the rest are less certain yeah so that just leaves us with a couple others that are all so we've got a couple that are sort of attack related and then we've got one quarry thing um so you've kind of been talking through other like quarry related stuff some this episode yeah how about yeah how about you run us through that one so I think Preybond, uh, there's a, there's another upgrade. It's, uh, something familiar. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, but, uh, blanking on it, but there's one that gives <laughs> you an extra support in defense, which is what this does. Uh, th- this has a, a lower floor and a higher ceiling. Basically. Um, if you have one other core, you're going to have, uh, one support. If you have two other quarries, you're going to have double support, uh, which is pretty cool. If you put a lot of quarry cards in there and then someone like Glissette is all of a sudden, you know, picking this up. And if there's Slake Slash and somebody else then upgraded to a quarry, then she is uh, defending on all faces of the dice. So yeah. just, just get her that silent helm. She doesn't even need the rerolls. So, <laughs> um, so I, I think that uh, that's going to, show up in defensive builds, uh, defensive quarry builds. And I think those are definitely out there. Um, this sort of absolute stillness, cryptic companion sort of thing. Um, precinct is, uh, you become a quarry, uh, and then it gives you a reaction after an enemy fighters activation. If the fighter is two hexes from this fighter, or if that fighter has three or more hunger counters, push that fighter one hex towards this fighter. Uh, three, let's see. Uh, two hexes. So it's, it's important. They didn't do three hexes cause that's how you could be standing on one objective and yank somebody off another objective. Um, mm-hmm. but if you get into kind of a central spot there, um, you know, kind of charge in somewhere and then they, they're trying to move on to objectives. You can start pulling them back off of it. Um, uh, and then if even more so, if somebody's rocking around with a, a lot of hunger, then you can, uh, you can yank them from even further. Uh, uh, so I, this, this feels like if you, if you can get in a central spot, you can really kind of mess with somebody's ability to, uh, be standing on objectives, um, which is, which is pretty handy. Um, I think there's some cool play with that one. Uh, I don't yeah. know if it finds room, but I, I think there's really cool tech there, uh, disrupting. Basically it's, a uh, a limited range, um, and limited direction, but it's a distract 
you know, multiple distractions basically uh, built into a card, which has a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah. And I guess um, anytime that you can just have a, a guaranteed after enemy activation reaction mm-hmm. is always a decent thing to have. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, Ripa's not a, not a huge fan of this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That could, uh, then they don't get their wolf bites and you could also mess yeah. up their positioning. So that'd be very interesting. Yeah, I guess thinking about it, uh, it'll come back around to the gamuts having to be able to do everything on this if they're adjacent to. Um, oh, they don't have to be. Oh, they do have to be pushed one towards this fighter. So yeah, if, yep. I wonder um, that that rule doesn't necessarily explicitly rep- apply to things that are not gambits. But uh, I wonder if you it could be conflated. I don't know. I uh, position game big deal. Uh, I think uh, somebody with a big brain can figure out some cool stuff to do with this. And really, Agreed. really ruin somebody's day. All right. So we just got two left, and I don't think either of them are super great, but they have some use. Um, start with arm to the teeth. Uh, so this is this is an interesting one in that it's an upgrade that gives a bunch of different bonuses, but they only apply, or each bonus only applies to a different range of attacks. So if it's a range one, you get knockback one, which probably the worst thing on here. Uh, if it's range two, they get ensnare. That actually feels pretty good. Um, and then range three plus, they get cleave, which for certain fighters could be nice. But I think more often than not, you don't super care about having cleave on your range attacks. Um, Malog just getting free ensnare though feels pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or any right. of the other like spears or other reach weapons. So um, I think there's a little bit of something for everybody with arms to the teeth, but I, like I said, I think that knockback is maybe the worst part of it. And then the last one, last card here. So we've got Tremendous Maul. So this is a reach two, two hammer, two smash weapon upgrade uh, where um, you, if you have the primacy token when you make the attack, it has cleave and knockback too. Um, I think knockback two is actually kind of interesting here because at reach two with knockback two, you could seriously mess up somebody's positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's knocking them back three spaces. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could put somebody halfway across the board. Uh, I, I will admit when I first looked at this, I did not notice the, uh, the two range. Like that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so like this is a this is a, a straight good weapon like two reach two smash for two damage is never a bad thing. Um, <laughs> the question I guess that makes you wonder if this is really going to be the thing you take is how reliable is your primacy? Um, if you think you're always going to have it when you need it, then this is probably pretty good. But I think more often than not, it's situational and you'll just be getting a pretty basic attack action. Yeah, and you wonder if the uh, the warbands that are already earning primacy are the ones that have attacks that uh, <laughs> yeah. are you know pretty competitive with this anyway. So, all right, I think that that brings us home. We have wrapped up every card in the universals here. Um, yeah, and I think as we sort of mentioned before, the general feel out of this set 
is that there's a lot of sort of wordy, different sort of headspace kind of cards, but nothing like other than like Silent Helm, like there's nothing that's like, oh man, I have to play with this. Yeah. Um, so sort of a, a weird, a weird set of universals, I felt like. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe a good one to have late in the season like this. Like a lot of, I mean, where they are making some of their more creative cards and some of them are going to be misses, but uh, these are the ones that like, uh, once once the core of the universals has started to get a little bulked out, maybe now is the time to put on these, these weird like experiments where, um, you know, maybe they maybe they work if you if you find space for them maybe like these are the cards that the the mad scientists uh might find some some uh roles for um and maybe this is maybe this is the time of the the season where it's where these should be coming out yeah yeah i think that's actually a an interesting point because i think we've especially with the lack of uh faqs and restricted lists um we've at least i feel like the meta has solidified pretty well and so maybe if you're just kind of bored of the meta you just start messing around with stuff and you're like i don't know if this will work but let's try it because this is a really weird card and i can't decide if this is good or not right Um, yeah i guess the like, if, if nothing else, the, uh, the Vassal Clash, to me, looked like people were ready to experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, everybody's not just rolling up with Crushes and Molog anymore? <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're not playing for hardware, sometimes it just doesn't doesn't pay to win. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that's definitely an interesting take. I think there's maybe an argument to be made that more of this kind of stuff belongs at the beginning of the season just because it's like it forces people to play with it but Mm. um could also mean that they just don't pick up any cards from the new season either right any final thoughts on any of these cards before we wrap it up uh do you have an overall favorite from this set i mean it's got to be silent helm at least for for me uh i think because of how well it works with the stalkers, I think it's like, well, that was an immediate choice that we had to go right in as soon as I got these sort of figured out as to like, what are they all doing? Yeah. I, uh, for me, it's a uh, punching up. I, I, uh, it's, a, it's a good one too. Yeah. I think, uh, mostly cause it kind of benefits some of the war bands that I enjoy playing or at least thinking about playing. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I'd like to try an aggro Starblood sometime, and if I do, mm-hmm. that card is definitely going to be oh, right yeah. in there because yeah, they can really leverage that. Yeah, mm, cool. All right, well, should we wrap it up here? Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can always uh, chat with us further uh, at at wthcast or with the xcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can hit us up on the. Uh, Mortal Realms Discord, where uh, listeners of all the uh, different shows on the network kind of hang out. Um, some some good chat in there. Uh, if you want to access that stuff, you can go to the website as well, themortalrealms.com. Uh, you we we do also uh, sell sell some uh, apparel that uh, 
promotes the different shows that we do. Um, they're pretty cool. Um, yeah, just one more thanks for listening. Uh, coming up, we will either uh, feel like we know enough about the Crimson Court to play, uh, having having played with and against them to uh, do that. And we're also working on a, uh, a review of the starter set. We're going to take a slightly different angle. Uh, I think we're going to, uh, I've kind of gotten my copy to uh, someone who hasn't really played it before and having him try it out. And we'll we'll uh, pull him in and uh, have him talk about his experience as a, as a uh, Underworld's neophyte uh, and how the how it felt playing the the starter set uh, there. So look for that to come. I think, you know, our idea there is that's going to be an asset that people will be able to use. Uh, you know, if you got a friend who's saying, Hey, I'm not sure or I'm thinking about getting into this or whatever we, you, we can, you can point them to that and say, Hey, you know, the starter set's a good place to start. And if you want to know more about it, then check this out. So more to come on that when we get that uh, bundled up. Uh, recommended listening for this episode is universal soldier by J electronica. And, I think that about does it. So for what the heck, I've been Davey. And this is Phil. like a long time ago already it does oh yeah searching for hexes not helpful (laughs) in a forum on